we need to apologise because last week I missed a very important event. Did you? It was uh, National Compost Week. <laughs> well, I haven't stopped celebrating. <laughs> uh, we missed so I love compost. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I love it as a metaphor and I love it in reality. So I'm, I'm annoyed that I missed that. We could have... Uh, we could have done mm. a few events and things like that. <laughs> Should have done. So I thought we shouldn't miss what the anniversaries are this week. And I've looked them up. And apparently it's a National Complementary Therapy Week. Not what? sure what that is. Is that when I just say, oh, you look nice today? Oh, you look fabulous. Have you, <laughs> have you been working out? <laughs> I assume so. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'd love that. That's quite therapeutic, isn't it? It is therapeutic. I feel better already. And then, of course, it's National Tick Bite Week. <laughs> How do you celebrate that? Well, you check your dog, uh, your pet or your uh, significant other. Check your partner for ticks. I shall. <laughs> I will. Rachel, come here. <laughs> Welcome everybody to episode 152, 152 of the Midfaith Crisis Podcast. That was a rousing welcome <laughs> I don't know. introduction. It went slightly <laughs> pub singer, didn't it? It did, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my name's Nick Page, I'm joined by Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. Out with a squeaky chair. Why? You said you'd got another chair. Here's what happened. I ordered a chair. It was a bit all singing or dancing. I thought, no, I'm going to get it. But then I didn't. I chickened out. And then they emailed me for ages saying, you've still got your chair in your checkout. Complete your order. Complete your order. You want to complete your order, don't you? And then eventually they sent a sale round. And I thought, oh, they're, they're taking money off. Now is the time to order it. So again, I put in my little statistics about how tall I am and how much I weigh and everything because it's a, you know, oh, it's a proper it's thing. A proper oh, yeah, it's a proper thing. Hmm. and it comes up with a, a screen full of chairs, and I ordered a chair. When it arrived, I realised I'd ordered the chair that was too short for me, actually. Oh, no. And even though that was... And I was very annoyed, and uh, that's how that story ends. So there's a new one on order. <laughs> Have patience. It'll be here eventually. Right. Mm. Well, yeah. that's good. That's good efficiency. <laughs> but on <sighs> the plus side, I've had my second jab. Have you? <laughs> Are you all right? You haven't you haven't reacted in the same way to the first. One. Not yet, but I only had it yesterday. Oh, did you? Okay. There was a few days lapse, but no. Hopefully, all be, all will be well this time, and there, um, you know, won't be the enormous fatigue. Anything else? Well, you know, next door's cat's getting me down, but other than that, why? So you know, well, you know, so we try to create this kind of wildlife haven in our garden to attract the birds in. Mm. But our lovely neighbour had decided to get three kittens last year that are now mm. savage bird-catching experts. So it leaves us with a slight ethical question about should we be attracting birds in when they're so clearly dying in quite large numbers now in our garden? And I've done all the thing with the ultrasonic uh, yeah. you know, things to try and get rid of So if anyone knows of how to kind of ethically get rid of cats without, you know, detonating something um, <laughs> then, <Yes. laughs> then do let me know joe at midfaithcrisis.org i know how unethically to get rid of cats but that's probably not going to gain oh, us yeah. any listeners might lose us a few i think 
<laughs> you can't you can't really attract both things to your gardens. You know, no. it's, it's cat. It's either cats or birds, but it's not a good idea to have both going. Not that I'm trying to attract cats. I mean, they're just this is my garden is now their patch. That's how they roll. You know, cats. and none of and those ultrasonic things don't work. I don't seem to. No, mm. they're not doing the job yet. Okay. Anyway, yeah. They just run past them or learn to walk around, walk around them. I mean, it's not difficult. <laughs> Intelligent creatures, cats. It's sort of rub up against them, use them as a scratching post. Just yeah, just look at it with disdain. They do do that very well, cats. They do. Yeah. Anyway, but so no, yeah, no, all is well really. How are you? I'm I'm good. Yeah, thank you. I'm alright. Mm. Yeah. Um, I thought I should clarify last week that uh, we had that very interesting discussion on. Um, Names of God. I think I don't know. I was meant to, I meant to say this at the time that, um, but I forgot. You know, we we were talking about how some evangelicals would get very annoyed by that, but but mm. I, of course it, it wouldn't just be evangelicals who would be challenged by different names for God, at all. Mm. It, a whole load of orthodox people would be very challenged yeah. by it. So I just wanted yeah, to start so. off by saying that that you know I think we were mm. a bit kind of selective in who would be offended by us no and 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 i think it's very important for our own support base that we don't just want to annoy evangelicals no we want to (laughs) want to to annoy absolutely everyone from every church tradition we are ecumenically annoying (laughs) we are i I like to think so anyway (laughs) annoying Um, all denominations since 2015 (laughs) excellent so uh yeah so that um I've been listening. There's some very good radio programs. David Mitchell on meetings. I don't know if you've heard this on radio. I have. Or... I've heard of it, and I did think it sounded it's, good. Is it good? It is very, very good. One of them he talks to. He's only done two so far. But one of them he talks to. Um, I think it's Russell Kane, the comedian, and he yeah. talks about. He, he's talking about introverts and extroverts, but he coined this new term, ambivert. And that's basically a, a, somebody who can go mm. out on stage, gets a lot of energy from entertaining people but then needs to go all introverted and spend time on their own. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. thought that's a really useful... Um, that's fight, Because that's exactly how mm. I feel. You know, I'm, speak, a lot of speakers are like that. Yes. You know, that we, we we go and we do the thing and then you need to be on your own to recharge. So an ambivert mm. is very good. I'll, I'll put a link up to that. That is a good name, ambivert. Yeah. like it. Other than Relate that, no, that. I'm all good. I've been reading a lot of George MacDonald, so uh, be afraid. Well, that's not... Not like you. <laughs> well, I actually oh. haven't for a while, and I just rediscovered him, so, you know, that's good. What do you mean anyway. you rediscovered him? You literally <laughs> haven't read him for a week. And, oh, there's George MacDonald. <laughs> no, it's not quite like that. I mean, there's been a long... There was a long George MacDonald free zone on the podcast for a long time. Okay. Couple of weeks. Anyway, we should get on, because we have yes. an interview this week, and... Uh, we have, and it's great. And we need to fit that in, and we got a little bit of feedback as well, so it could be a long episode. Okay, right. Hold on tight. Uh, There is a great interview coming. Okay, so Rev Merv uh, says this. Joe Wiley, Joe Davis and Nick Page have been in my ears for the past four weeks as I bimble around the rectory field. I decided post lockdown that I needed to shed a few pounds. So I downloaded the Couch to 5K app and off I set. I've been a closet listener to the podcast for quite a while and now it's time to come out. <laughs> this is, thankfully, not many people can see me laughing to myself as I listen to you, Pear. You guys, along with Joe Wiley, have increased my fitness both spiritually and physically since moving into a shiny new rectory with a boiler I don't quite understand yet. 
I really enjoyed this recent podcast and the feedback on names of God, especially the thought on Jesus as my boyfriend slash girlfriend made me think of the Palm Sunday crowd. In a relationship, we human beings all have expectations and sadly, when we don't get what we want or think we deserve, we can sulk or huff or even worse. Mm. So it so it is with God who is made in our image or is it the other way round? By the end of the week in Jerusalem, the majority of the crowd had turned. So keep up the amazing work. Keep me laughing and challenged. Indeed, you've caused me to think more on the nature of God and who he or she really is. And that's from Rev Merv. Excellent. Thank you, Rev. Yeah, thanks for that. And keep up the good work for the Counts to 5K app. Yeah. Rectory Field sounds impressive. It's got a rectory field. I know, it's good. I imagine it's a big old rectory as well. Anyway, here we go. So Mark uh, says this. Hi, Joe. In episode 150, you asked the lovely listeners to email you about the threads, you know, when they felt that faith and the Bible, etc. started to be questioned. He says, I think for me, it was a progressive process. Right from the beginning of my faith journey, I sensed that the issue for the divine wasn't specifically sin, but rather idolatry. With this thought in focus, through my teens and twenties, I found it harder and harder to reconcile the evangelical message I was hearing from preachers with real life. It was all too pie in the sky when you die, rather than transformation here and now. God was described as love, but he's going to get you in the end with his wrath and judgment. I also found it helpful over the years to understand the Bible as a library rather than a book. Again, the gymnastics of Christian apologists in their attempts to harmonise the Bible text into a single narrative is quite frankly laughable. Mm. Once you see, you can't unsee, says Mark. Yeah, quite right. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Always good. And then to my favourite email of the week. We should have an email of the week. Shall we? I haven't thought of that. We should have a little anyway. jingle with it as well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Proper radio station. <laughs> from uh, another beloved listener this is from helen who wrote in to say that her husband took her to scotland to visit a place called twat excellent <laughs> lovely <laughs> and she also uh, recently visited pets bottom thank <laughs> you for that helen you knew we'd love it and she says my husband also preached on god as a she bear defending her cubs from hosea she says, personally, I get totally lost when it gets to God. I just concentrate on Jesus as being much more manageable and as being the icon of the invisible God. Therefore, if we want to know God, we look at Jesus. Being a Baptist, the ultimate authority for my faith is not scripture, but Jesus as revealed in scripture. All scripture, therefore, has to be read through the lens of Christ. And if it conflicts, then Jesus, not that scripture, is the winner. Mm. Well, thank you, Helen. Very Barthian. And may I compliment you, Helen, <laughs> on your Christocentric hermeneutic. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, Joe. Sometimes I forget <laughs> that you went to a college. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, you know, uh, what we've got this for you this week is an interview with a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, and a friend of the podcast, yeah. Dave Steele. Joe, yeah, do you want exactly. to tell us a little bit about this? Well, uh, Dave, uh, you know, as we will remember, was um, with us on episode 13 of the podcast right the way back in the day. And he's the leader of One Church Brighton. And he is a very dear friend and uh, just a lovely, lovely man, actually. So that's uh, that's his credentials for speaking as far as I'm concerned. He's also like you. He knows the Bible really, really well, Um I think he grew up in a brethren tradition. So, you know, it just gave mm. him that real grounding. And he's always had quite a passionate love affair for the Bible in a way that some of us, you know, perhaps should have done, but haven't. Um, but he's 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 really, you know, like I say, like you, he's really got great Bible knowledge. He's really, and he's really thoughtful. So I think 
I, I, you know, we're not setting this up to be controversial, but we have talked about the fact on the podcast and privately that there needs to be a reformation in the church. So that's why I thought I'll get Dave in because he's been doing a little bit more thinking about this. Well, it is my great pleasure to welcome back uh, to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, none other than Dave Steele, my dear friend and the leader at One Church in Brighton. Hi, Dave. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, really good. Really good to see you, my friend. You were on episode 13 before. You did oh, really? a, Yeah, you did, a, you did an episode for us called Values Not Vision. Oh. uh and um because and, and that came out of a conversation we were having i was saying you're the only church leader i've ever known who who if you say what's the vision of the church you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go i don't know i don't think that's a really important question <laughs> it's values uh, it's a great podcast a great interview if i do say so myself <laughs> dave is great uh go back and listen to episode 13 if you're interested um but dave welcome back i guess some people won't know you at all so can you just say a bit about yourself and and maybe a little bit about one church as well sure um i uh have been in brighton for uh, 11 and a half years wow. uh, we moved down from leading the church in waterloo yeah and um one church it's called one church because i haven't told this story for a long time because we're just one church now but yeah we're called one church because i came to be the 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 leader of of a little baptist church right in the middle of brighton um we started to see a bit of growth another baptist church up the road came and chatted to me and before we sort of knew it there was this vision in place to say do you know what we'd be better off starting again and so our story was we were mm. two churches that became one church and um i quite i quite like the thought of the that you know we, we try not to compete with anybody we're, we're mm. part of one church mm. you know unfortunately that's backfired numerous times because people still introduce me as dave Steele from the one church yeah um, <laughs> which yeah. makes it sound like the cult that it is but, um, yeah. but but when you're working with the cancer and everything else it's, it's a funny thing that they call us the one church um which doesn't yeah. speak of church unity it speaks of um, yeah. uh, something completely different but that's that's mm. why it's called that um it was a working title always be careful with working titles because we're stuck with it now and we're kind of too well known within the city to change probably um but yeah we're a, a kind of i always say broad inclusive church those those words are, are laden aren't they uh, can uh. mean anything to anyone but we have been this kind of values driven church i wouldn't have had a clue I, I genuinely mean this as we come up to our 10th anniversary this easter um of starting being one church of, of the journey that we'd have been mm. on and the kind of projects that have spun out of our church mm. and the growth that we've seen. And it's been just a brilliant, absolutely brilliant journey to be part of. And, and I've loved it. And it, you know, I no longer know even what to call myself. You know, we've got a, a large sort of staff team doing all kinds of things that people are sort of running a lot faster than I, I can keep up with. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the kind of leadership role that I played 10 years ago is completely obsolete now yeah. and i'm trying to sort of find my place within the own my own church you know <laughs> uh, because because we're just so different to what we were 10 years ago but it's been a it's been a really fun 10 years i mean i, I love the way the church just kind of commits itself to service in the community and that a crazy project i can't remember what it's called the one where you train coffee baristas 
Mm. Or barristers, as I call them. Yeah. <laughs> really shouldn't. Yeah. Really barristers at the one church. Um, yeah. <laughs> pro baristas, and we have trained yeah. hundreds. I mean, literally, it's, it's mind blowing, really, yeah. uh, that we there isn't really a coffee shop in Brighton that doesn't know about pro baristas because we've trained just hundreds of people and, and hundreds yeah. of people have found jobs in this um, in yeah. coffee. More, more coffee shops in Brighton per head than any any place in Europe, apparently. Um, so that was why we got into it. And we've got this unbelievable team who do this beautiful job of not just training young people in how to make up a coffee, but also listening, mentoring, supporting, um, sort of mm. kind of no questions asked approach. We have all kinds of people who have dropped out of college who their self-confidence is way low their mental health is poor and to watch these guys interact with with these young people and you know see a few months later them mm. uh, moving on and, and that's brilliant mm. we launched our own coffee uh, in terms of we roast our own coffee mm. skylark coffee and that's been really fun and mm. all of those you know all of the things yeah. that we do and we do well none of them started because there was an elders meeting you know it was because people with infectious kind of passion came along and said, this feels like it fits within one church's values. Can mm. we give it a go? And I think we've just been a very good church at going, yeah, give it a, give it a go. And we've failed mm. at lots of things we've tried. Mm. Um, and, but the stuff that's stuck and has helped people has been, has been great. Mm. Yeah, that's extraordinary. You know, I've just been reading Brian McLaren's new book called Faith mm. After Doubt, and he he slices the cake of um, stages of faith four ways. So he mm. talks about simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and then mm. harmony at the end. And at the end of the book, he's really, you know, trying to just say, you know, what, what would a stage four church look like? Right. You know, a church that is committed to a, a faith expressed uh, in love and and i always think of one church as, as that church here mm. is the church that is committed first of all to love mm. and that's the basis of your values and mm. you know i anyway, love it we could talk about this for hours but that's not why you're on <laughs> the podcast and um, you're on the podcast really because a conversation we've been having i mean i see you as a not so much of a prayer partner more of a breakfast and bird watching partner yeah uh, but uh, but um, we were having this conversation last time and it, go, it went something along the lines. I can't remember exactly, but we were saying, look, 500 years ago, Luther, you know, nails these 95 theses to the cathedral gate because he knows, he sees, he has the vision to say, this is just wrong. What's going on here? We need, a, we need to reform ourselves as the church and agree with him or disagree with him. His his stuff looks like orthodoxy now, but what was orthodoxy that back then was you know paying for your sins to be forgiven and all sorts of stuff going on in the church. We were starting to say and share, I think, that we think the church is right for a, a new reformation in terms of it's lost its way a little bit, perhaps mm. in some ways. I mean, I don't want to say arrogant, and and you know, I've got a precursor. This who are we to say the church needs sure. reformation? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but we, you know, we're having a conversation, and and so we started to touch on, and I wanted to ask you, you know, what are the dogmas? What are the doctrines that we either need to ditch now and have the confidence to say this is just wrong? And we need mm. to stop affirming them. What do we need to renew uh, or, or, and or what do we need to recover? Mm. You know, doctrines that are lost. So we had this conversation. I got excited. You had to calm me down. 
<laughs> well, so so that's that's what I wanted to get you uh, on for to say look theologically you're a church leader you you're doing study I know as well we ain't got time to go into all that but what are you seeing and you know not just in the church but in culture uh, the hunger the spiritual hunger in culture where is the church missing the mark and where does it need to step up? And, mm. and what's the what's the, the theological basis for that? So there's a nice, mm. easy question, <laughs> really, Dave. Just yeah. to... <laughs> love your second question for 30 seconds time. But, um, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I mean, I, I obviously the, I remember reading a book called the, the Second Reformation that did the rounds, you know, about 20 years ago that came out. Mm. And I would probably fundamentally disagree with its points now, you know, just 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 15 mm. or 20 years since that was published. I'm sure there's been uh, there's been cause for the church to be reformed ever since it was supposed to be reformed. Mm. Um, but I do I do think we are at a particular kind of epoch at the moment. Uh, something to do with the pandemic, I think. Mm. But certainly, you know, there's no coincidence of, about Brexit, about Trump, about Black Lives Matter, about all of these things. You know, we haven't got mm. the time to mm. talk about the, the sort of cultural ripples of that. But it does seem like the church is inevitably and and should be caught up within that in terms of asking questions of itself and significance if we're just doing a little series we just finished a little series on sundays talking about jonah yeah. and it, it much to my surprise it all came round to this talking about the shadow side um you know this kind of uh jungian psychology around that uh, we all have this shadow side and, and there was just a moment which i don't know why i hadn't thought of it before really which was Oh, what, what is our church's shadow side? You know, if individuals mm. have it, then corporately we can as well. And what's the shadow side of one church? And this is a moment of pause. We're forced into a kind of pause. We're beginning to talk about meeting again and, and, and starting again and all of this stuff that everyone's talking about. Mm. And so let's not do that without asking ourselves the question of what is the shadow, you know? And I think the calls for the reformation of the church is always because on a cyclical kind of behavior that, that we are, there are moments where we just live in the moment of what we're doing. And then there are other moments where external circumstances force us to say, hold on a minute, are we doing the right thing we should? I think it was Phyllis Ticker, wasn't it? Do you know, the theologian who said, I think she said it's about every 400 years the church needs to go through its own yard sale you know that it needs to get out all the stuff that's been stuck in the yeah. back of the cupboard and <laughs> and get brilliant. rid of it and yeah. start again and she and she basically was putting the point that we are now in a point in history where we're we're ready to go again you know what's the what's the sort of i think mm. she calls it a rummage sale you know what's the jumble sale yeah. that we need to be giving away and getting rid of and chucking and putting into landfill you know some of the practices mm. of the church um, so in, in answer to your question, uh, you know, and it, it is a difficult thing to answer. Yeah, particularly. sure. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but, but I think fundamentally, from my point of view, Joe, there is the, the, there's a kind of building foundational block that the church has been built on for a number of years around this heaven and hell, you know, mm. exchange that the church mm. really exists um, fundamentally, you know, it's changed its music, it's changed the clothes that the priesthood wear, it changed, you know, it's changed the pews. But fundamentally, every activity that the church is inspired mm. to do, it is even the word like missional, which, which seems sort of progressive, can often be about a piece of work that really is about saving people from hell. Mm. And, and if you are, you know, if the church is built upon that 
sort of foundational uh, mm. paradigm that it's it's a it's a heaven and hell machine you know mm. to, to to save people from that then yes you should be doing alpha and yes you should be uh, making sure that the music you sing on a Sunday is attractive to the crowd to come in. You, you should mm. do anything you can to bring people in to hear this mm. message that says, uh, you know, a, a prayer or a, a moment of repentance or whatever is going to turn your, you know, eternal um, damnation or your eternal salvation. Mm. Um, the moment you choose and allow yourself to build a, a church community on a different foundation mm. and find the words for that you know because i think most well not most people i can't possibly prove that but i think a lot of christians who sit within churches no longer believe that heaven and hell kind mm. of story as the fundamental mm. thing about their faith it, you know you whittle it down to some to the fundamentals of that god is love mm. and that if that's true then that whole purpose of the church is is no longer kind of fitting so I think mm. I think for mm. us, I think there's a the, we've we've shifted in an understanding of going, oh, even my inclination to do some church stuff that I still do mm. is born out of old habits predicated mm. by the heaven and hell dynamic. The moment you you get a broader, bigger picture of God and his plans for the cosmos, and you actually allow yourself to move into that space and build upon that foundational block, then you do stuff differently. So, mm. you know, us training young people to, to, to get jobs in coffee shops, what has that got to do with, with heaven and hell? You know, yeah. absolutely nothing. But, mm. and, and, and some of this, you know, we've we blatantly mm. kind of ripped mm. from Sam Wells, who's, who's at um, St. Martin's in the Field in London, okay. and, a, and a brilliant theologian, in my opinion. And he's just helped to give us some words that we've started to use more and more. That actually, what if you built on the fact that actually it's not heaven versus hell, it's scarcity versus abundance. Uh, that, that's what the kingdom of God brings, is, is about abundance in a world that's trying to convince you that there's only scarcity, that pits wow. you against other people, that doesn't have grace and mercy and breadth and abundance, and an abundance of love and joy and peace, not abundance of, of, of health and wealth, mm. but an abundance of love and joy and peace in whatever your situation um then then training young people to make coffee well even just that sentence there mm. it mm. somehow reflects something of god and is worth doing because mm. you've just done something that's beautiful and that is a credit towards building the kingdom of god as opposed to the only way you build mm. the kingdom of god is to move people from a pathway Mm. from eternal punishment in hell to one of heaven so it mm. means that it, you know our, our building in the center of brighton we uh, we've really missed its being used over the last year but mm. what it would have been used is for the brighton festival for the great escape festival people uh, who are trying mm. out weird mm. arts um, mm. and, uh, and stuff come to us <laughs> and say is it all right if we uh, dress in purple and and bounce around the room you know we just have some very very strange requests and, and ben and i who, who we'll we'll we have a laugh to each other about is this pushing it too far but the fundamental question is you know, is there is there joy to be found in it is there peace to be found in it is there love there is it building community is there a chance for people to make friendships are people going to have a good evening and go home a little bit more alive because mm. let's do that 
for no other reason than that is about the abundance that mm. God promises us. You know, you're beginning to put on the Brilliant. feast before the before the kind of eternal feast that we get to to enjoy. Yeah. So it, it is just it is like a huge as a church leader. I never know what to call myself these days, but as the pastor of the church, it just is like this massive oh. weight off the back that says, "Ah, oh, we we can just do fun things because yeah. in doing fun things, we're doing the things that God." would mm. like to do through us for our community because they're good yeah exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean we we, we help run a, a night shelter and every year some one of the pastors somebody pipes up and says how many people became christians you know and i, and I just mm. makes me feel ill it really that's does. it it's interesting yeah but but do you know what a horrible thought these people are sleeping on you know the on in shop doorways and mm. um, we want to give them the dignity of sleeping in somewhere warm and giving them some good food so that they become Christians. Because if they don't, we may as well have left them in the shop doorway. I mean, it's mm. just, mm. that's the blunt end of it. But the ability to go, wow, it, it, it's just better for this person to be warm and secure. Therefore, mm. let's do it. Mm. You know, and they don't need to know about it. And, and yeah. we, we had this thing, you know, where how do people know that this project is one church? Yeah, how do we how do we know you're Chris distinctively Christian? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And it just it suddenly becomes so freeing when you're no longer asking that question. Um, and that kind of reformation of the church where it just becomes mm. good news, you know, in, in, in its community. I know mm. it's so it feels so ridiculously basic to talk about, but mm. in every community is this potential for a Mm. a community that sits within it that just brings joy and peace and love you're talking about a community that seems to focus more on god's goodness than on sin i mean it seems to me that's been a bit of a hallmark do you want to say anything about i mean i'm wondering about the whole doctrine of original sin and how Mm. how damaging that has been it's not that i want to i can hear I can hear the chorus of, oh, you, Joe wants to get rid of sin. Joe wants to do away with sin. Sin doesn't matter. Not that at all. But it's such an unhelpful starting place for the story about who you are. If the story yeah. about who you are is from the word go, from the moment you were a cute little baby, you were a wretched sinner, worthy mm. only of hell. You better get help. You know, if that's the starting place, it, it's awful. Yeah. But if yeah. the starting place is you were born gorgeous because God made you in god's image yeah and you know she loves you (laughs) i mean i I think i I think even further than that joe i think that it's the knowledge that god sees all of you and Mm. still loves you you know i i think about the the woman that jesus sits down to you know at the well and and there's this incredible moment that often gets overlooked where you know he he unveils her sin you know publicly Mm. before her and says Mm. you know you've had five husbands and and the one you're with isn't isn't your husband right now and then she runs away in joy and says Mm. to all her friends come and see a man who just told me everything about my life Mm. you know why isn't she she hiding in a corner going this guy who i thought i'd managed to keep you know my i was doing really well having a lovely chat with him (laughs) um but he's just you know how dare he ashamed me like that but she's not shamed in front of him because it's changed the narrative to say, I see all of that and I still love you. You know, yeah. I see all of that and I'm sitting here giving you this, this respect and, and having this dignified conversation. And that's what changes her life. So it's not about what does God feel about 
our sin. It's about what does God feel about me and the whole of me? And I come back to that mm. kind of shadow side. Yeah, you, you mentioned shadow in the, in the intro a little bit about the church hangership. Do you want to say a bit more about that? What, what do you mean by that? I mean, one of the sort of obvious examples to me is the sort of cover up over the paedophilia scandals historically. I mean, not so much in our denominations, maybe, but maybe not. Um, yeah. You know, and the sort of the shame associated with yeah, sin I'm, pushed I'm, it I underground. Yeah, and, and that stuff, you know, guilt about stuff you're doing wrong is mm. healthy and necessary, you know. Mm. Shame isn't. And, and I don't think mm. that the shadow side is either of, is neither sin nor shame. I think the shadow side is, um, well, the, the sort of theory of it is, is that the moment that you're um, good at anything, the moment you try to do something that's good, it casts a shadow, you know, because of our motivation, mm. because of the flip mm. side of that thing. Mm. And we, uh, I just interviewed this guy, Jim McNeish, I don't know if you've come across him, but he is brilliant on this stuff. And we, we mm. used it as part of our service the other day. And I've been reading about it. And he just, it was just so profound to me because it just sparked in me. Oh, this is right. And, and he talked about the fact that sin is our response to the offer of forgiveness, not about our behavior. The sin is to fail to allow that part of you to be redeemed. Um, and, and so in, in, a, in, in a church like ours, for instance, so we, we want to be inclusive. You know, we want to be whatever, whatever mess you're in, whatever baggage you bring with you, you're not going to be excluded, you know. And, and mm. obviously inherently within that is, is an, a statement towards people who are LGBTQ+. Uh, divorcees, uh, women in leadership, you know, all these things that the church have, have uh, been a poor track record of, of being inclusive. We, we want to be inclusive of those people. But even as you state that, you therefore have a, a load, you have a, a, a shadow position, which is that we think pretty badly of people who voted for Trump or, mm. or who yeah. support this Tory government or who eat meat or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. And, and, and it's dealing with that shadow that says, you know, what is it? it it's, putting your hand, it's putting yourself in the hands of God and yeah. saying, search me, oh God, and know me. Yeah. You know, search mm -hmm. me, oh God, and know me. That's, that is like putting your whole self into the hands of God. And, and your whole self includes the bit that you're happy to show to everyone else, but the mm -hmm. bit that is hidden from you and within shadow. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, the, the, and sin comes out of, it, uh, it kind of leaks out of your shadow side. The shadow side itself isn't sin because because we all have it. But mm. that kind of picture of a God who loves and accepts the good that we can do, but also the the shadow that we harbour. So, for instance, on the inclusion front, um, we're about to launch into after Easter some Sundays of conversations with the church to say, you know, what what is our shadow side? For instance, we have hardly anybody who has physical disability within our church. We have no, mm. uh, we have very few families with autistic children, you know, for mm. instance. We have nobody who's deaf. You know, do you know mm. why? Because we don't do signing within our church services when we gather. Uh, we've got an old building and the access is pretty poor. Um, you know, what are we saying to the world? From, mm. you know, what's the theology of our buildings? Mm. If you come in and you're deaf, bad luck, you're not going to know what's going on. Mm. Or if you've got a wheelchair, you're not going to be able to get to that part of the built building. You know, th th those are theological statements, really, about what we believe about the inclusive inclusivity of God when we are aware of them. You know, mm. and mm. so that that yeah. 
that being open to being to all things being revealed to you so that you might chip away bit by bit at the redemptive story of your shadow side you know which says mm. okay well we can do something about that and we can be more inclusive about that and we can be stronger in our support of people who feel maligned and all of that stuff okay dave this is this is great stuff we could clearly talk for hours about this are there, are there any other sort of issues that you see that you think theologically i want to I want to absolutely take this head on. You said there's heaven and hell and how that serves to undergird the way we operate and how that is not particularly helpful. You've talked a bit about the shadows. Is there anything else that strikes you? Is it? Well, and, and again, this is, you know, we've, we're really poor at this. So I, d I almost don't say it, but I'm, I'm convinced, you know, about this kind of, uh, the, uh, you know, in, in, the, Reform in that, the Reformation, uh, part of Martin Luther's, deal was that the priesthood you know hold too much power hold hold on to, to truth all of, all of this stuff mm. um, and the dissolution of that sort of priesthood mm. but we still have it you know mm. <laughs> and so there is an, always this elephant in the room for somebody like me mm. that goes i want my church to know that every single person within our community is as capable of hearing from the spirit of god as i am of mm. participating in the building of the kingdom as I am. And, and so the multi-voiced nature of the church, so mm. that we're hearing the voices of young and old, of people of different culture and, and heritage, um, you know, that we're so far from that, it's scary. Mm. But mm. I think if we're being honest, that is part of yeah. a, a reformation of the church where we are hearing multiple voices because when you hear multiple voices firstly the experience of worship is so much richer but also that in itself is uncovering your shadow side you know mm. because the more voices that you have speaking from different understandings of god mm. and different um uh, experiences of him yeah there's a phrase of them you know yeah <laughs> um, uh, all of that is yeah is is a rich helpful thing but it's going to take a pretty major yeah reconstruction isn't it well i, I often thought because you know you, you you don't knock around a baptist church for long before you realize the priesthood of all believers is a very very much talked about very big deal one of our foundational cores and all the rest of it least mm. practiced yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of anything is extraordinary you know we got our deacons we got our church leaders and you know you better fall in line <laughs> yeah, yeah. with what they want <laughs> yeah and i think that that's you know it's a challenge i, I, I don't know even know how it works but mm. someone was telling me about a church where all the tasks of that service oh. are on little uh, printed on little wooden tags and put in a oh. basket by the door and as you come in to church you can sift through that basket and take out one of the tasks and it might be to do the bible reading today or it might be to mm. put the candles out or it might be mm. to and um it sounded amazing i wonder if it's just mm -hmm. chaos and you always get the same nutter who grabs the <laughs> <laughs> grabs the i'm preaching today thing. Um, but but how do you create a culture of um yeah. you know that that inclusivity that that extends to hearing from yeah. introverts as well as extroverts you know how, yeah. how do you do that piece of work how do you how do you hear wh where people are at and and, and I, I i don't know why but i feel like just particularly speaking personally open to i think it comes back to this fundamental point you know i, I used a phrase earlier about you know if you put your hands yourself in the hands of god and ask 
for him to search you. Um, you don't do that if you're frightened of God. You don't do that if, if no, he, or if there's a vaguest part of that he's going to condemn you. You do that as a, a child leaps into their parents' arms because they know that they're loved and accepted. And mm. so we have to deal with that and to keep on holding up this image of the father who's running down the road towards the, the, the child that's run away, you know, mm. um, so that we can get to this healthier headspace to go, do you know what? We can put one church into the hands of a loving God, knowing that he desires only beautiful mm. things, you know, mm. for it. And if something gets pointed out as being less than, then we take it, we accept it, and we, uh, not in any kind of shame or, you know, mm. uh, even a burdensome sort of sense, um, but we see it as this kind of treasure trove of things that God might show us in order mm. that we might be more alive or more human. And, and, and that's, that's a much better motivator than we better do this stuff because otherwise God's angry with us, you know? Yeah, it certainly is. Dave, we could go on for hours. We better, we better stop. Uh, but I hope you'll come back another day and field all the questions we're going to get from listeners <laughs> about this. But listen, buddy, thank you so much. Great to see you. Looking forward to going to Mincemeat with you as soon as it's possible to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe having a drink of, you know, non-alcoholic <laughs> wine. <laughs> bless you mate cheers buddy take care bless you mate thank you bye now well that was joe talking to uh dave Steele. really good stuff in there um lots to chew over but i'd like mm. to start with something that really did irritate me in that it didn't come from dave it came from you and this this luther never mm. nailed anything to anything I mean, I wrote a flipping book on the Reformation to pr to show that he never <laughs> nailed it. He never nailed the thesis to the Wittenberg door, never mind the gate of a cathedral, as oh. you claim. He never nailed anything to anything. Please, Joe. <laughs> so that's what you took from the interview. <laughs> well, I think that was the main point, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> Just wanted to get that. Oh, he did nail things. He must have put up an IKEA bookshelf or two in his time. So don't yeah. give me that. Well, he might have nailed things, but he never nailed his theses. And what? Believe oh. me, it's painful. So you shouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> okay. But I loved, loved what he had to say. I thought it was really powerful, and uh, I, I particularly loved all the stuff about the shadow side of churches. Mm, I know, it's interesting, you isn't know, it? Yeah. And the theology of a church, it never occurred to me that a church building can express something mm. in that sense about your theology and, and, and church services. If you don't have sign language, then you're not for the yeah. deaf kind of stuff, you know. No, exactly, yeah. It's a really good point, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the big thing was the idea of scarcity versus abundance, you know, and yes. that being the the core of the message so powerful really good it's really interesting yes i really like the way he explained that because when you start with heaven and hell you're talking about things that people understand but when you look at it as scarcity and abundance and all that it's, it shifts the conversation a little bit i think in a really really helpful way i mean what do you think about that are our churches built on that foundation do you think that was a fair comment? I think I think he is, you know, because we've all done well. We've all been involved in those churches, you know, and those meetings where you've kind of, 
you know, you've kind of said, you know, we're doing this, uh, you know, we're doing this event or we're encouraging young people to come yeah. in the church or, we're do, you know, we're supporting young mums with babies. And, you know, there's, a de- you know, some deacon somewhere pipes up. Yeah, but are they coming to church on Sunday? Mm, mm. You know, and, and how many people have we seen converted to the faith through that? Which, if you're living in that paradigm, of course, is a very legitimate question to ask because that's the whole raison d'etre for the church. Mm. But what if it isn't? That's the heart of the question here yeah i think it it depends largely on a sort of culture around you almost about what Mm. what where you go into so i mean the idea of people being saved Mm. i think is very important in some cultures in the world uh Mm. for for the church there it's very powerful Mm. for for, for Mm. them there and uh i mean obviously salvation is a core aspect of the gospel however you understand that it's a word that Mm. pops up time and time and time and time and time again so i think that's a key uh, message for them for us i think in the uk we still talk in that kind of language but i don't hear the same kind of things that i used to hear so i don't hear churches talking about hellfire and damnation anymore no really not so much no 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 i don't think they do but it's interesting that i do think there's there's still a, a real hangover of that mentality yes. underneath things. And certainly for me, you know, I spent the first half of my Christian life, every time I saw Kingdom of Heaven in the in the Gospels, I assumed it was talking about after I die in heaven. I, I had no understanding of Jesus talking in the present tense and in the terms of the here and the now and the kingdom is here and it's arrived. So so I think, I think that, you know, the... The tones of that still undergird an awful lot of what we do, even if we're not using the language of hellfire and damnation. Yes, I agree. And I think that's where a certain sort of dissonance comes in, in Mm -hmm. in that we're still catching that language, but we're not really thinking that way anymore. So I I, I see a lot of churches that are wanting people to have a better life here and now, you know, wanting people to have abundance. And it's a message that I, you know, ever since doing the Renovare thing, yeah, you know, yeah, we, both of us have, yeah. would have incorporated yeah. into our speaking, absolutely, and it has huge resonance for people. I think yeah. there's still though kind of the hangover thing. We've still got that whole mm. salvation thing, that evangelism thing, mm. that mission thing. We don't quite know what to do with it now. Mm. We don't feel perhaps confident enough to say, "Oh no, I'm not going to speak that way anymore." So it still hangs yeah. around, but I think a lot of Christians now don't necessarily think that way in terms of classic mission as we might have called it well i i hope you're right i mean i i think for some people even listening to this podcast that will be a shock right i think it'll be a shock but i you know i'm really fascinated to hear what comments we get in please do send in your comments and your thoughts on it the other thing that i really liked um is 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 in reference to the woman at the yeah yeah john's gospel and just this idea that that grace changes people but shame doesn't and, and and that's something i'd really like to explore a lot more you know he was saying guilt is a totally appropriate and even helpful response yes um to sin but shame isn't shame's not going to change anything shame's going to put it underground and we've seen that you know on individual levels and on as a church worldwide how uh how shame actually is is very detrimental and jesus didn't shame sinners he shamed the religious perhaps or not as the case may be but no i don't know i don't know if he even did that really but but he was Mm. certainly angry at at the Mm. the the people who used Mm. religion who weaponized it basically yeah yeah i think i think shame 
is a big conversation to have now because mm. I don't think yeah. it's just the church. Actually, I don't think the church does. You know, again, maybe it's just the church I'm involved in. I don't think my church yeah. does a lot of shaming. You know, I don't think mm. we're interested in that anymore. But I think social media does a huge amount of shaming. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'd think agree. the urge to shame is not just a Christian thing. It's a kind of um, societal uh, problem mm. that we've got to have a word about. But but, you know, I think I think Dave's I, I just love that idea that it's not about, mm. you know, it's, it's not heaven versus hell. It's about scarcity versus abundance and that some things are just good things to do. Yes, because exactly. they are exemplars of abundant life. They're real, um, you know, practical ways of yeah. of showing people abundant life. So, re- really great yeah. stuff. Loved it. Mm. Very good. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we are agent. We are blessing machines. You know, we are licensed to bless, as we've said before. <laughs> so, you know, that's what our lives are about. You know, there's stuff, good stuff. You could even say it's been predestined for us to do. Well, um, oh gosh, there it is. Welcome well, let's back, not start Ethel. that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, really good stuff, and, and and we are keen. Please do send in your emails to Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Would love to hear what you think about that interview with Dave. So uh, we will be back next week with uh, something about Easter, I imagine. Well, I, I would imagine well, so. so. It would be yeah. Easter is upon us, and then uh, after that, yeah. we've got some very exciting podcasts coming up. We hope, and some yeah. very exciting news about mid-faith crisis and various things that we're planning. So do mm. keep um, do keep tuned, as they say. <laughs> yes, do. <laughs> don't change this channel. <laughs> well, bait or don't unsubscribe or whatever. I don't know what you do nowadays. Anyway, uh, yeah. So do uh, we'll, we'll be sharing that with you in the next few weeks. But we've got a lot of stuff. Yes, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, just send your email to. Once again, joe at midfaithcrisis.org. And uh, we thank you very much for listening. We thank all those who support the podcast. Yes, thank you. Absolutely brilliant and much appreciated. And everybody who contributes. Um, Yeah, so we'll be back with you next week. Yes, bye now.